Coming to you from Silicon Valley, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm on the hunt for recruiting leaders, producers, innovators, and pioneers who've made their mark on the industry and can't wait to share their points of view. We'll tackle the tough topics and dig deep to find the answers you're looking for and some actionable advice you can take to the bank. So stick around and stay tuned, and welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. Hey, it's Marcus from Recruiting Trailblazers here. And this week, another short podcast in which I'm going to share with you my strategy for first conversations with candidates who've either responded to outreach or who've been referred to me by somebody I know. That's right. The all-important internal interview and how I handle that very first opportunity to speak with a candidate. My apologies if you tuned in expecting to hear me conduct another interview with someone in the industry but I've decided to stagger those to every other week for the time being because it's summer and the market's really hot for recruiters right now. So I'm working hard. Plus the weather is just so nice. I'm trying to get out and play as much golf as possible. Plus I got my spinning instruction job back. So I'm doing that a couple of days a week too. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast on interview strategy or how I prepare candidates to go into their very first interview which, by the way, I believe hinges on asking great questions about vision, culture and role, and really focusing on turning the tables to have a peer-to-peer conversation rather than just the one-way street of a question-and-answer session, which can feel a lot like the Spanish Inquisition. Now, as recruiters, there is nothing more important than the top of the funnel to us. And so we really are in the business of creating opportunities to have meaningful conversations with great candidates and then executing on that opportunity to have a meaningful conversation with a great candidate. Those are the two main areas where we can distinguish ourselves at the top of the funnel, the outreach message, and then the way in which we handle that very first conversation with the candidate. And that is what we are going to talk about today. We are going to talk all about the first conversation, the strategy that I employ, and the priorities that I set for myself in every phone call that I make to a candidate for the first time, and the flow of the conversation itself, in other words, the order in which I'd be looking for the answers to the questions that I'm asking. So let's start off by talking about my priorities for this very first phone call to a candidate. Now, I think a lot of people might differ with me on this, because if you ask the question, what's your number one priority when you first contact a candidate or first speak with a candidate on the phone, you might get answers like, find out if they're interested in the job or evaluate their skills and experience for the specific role or find out if they're available. And in some situations, you know what? They may be right. But for me, when I think about the number one priority, when I'm picking up the phone and calling um, a candidate for the very first time who's responded to my outreach or who's been referred to me, my number one goal is to ensure that that person has a wonderful candidate experience with me and that they are in the future happy to be a part of my network, happy for me to reach out to them and the Holy Grail, happy to refer other good candidates and possibly even clients to me as well. So my number one goal, my number one priority in every conversation is to give a really excellent candidate experience because, and this is a sentence that I wrote quite a few years ago, but I'm going to quote myself here, the long-term value of every new connection as a source of potential referrals, information, and introductions completely transcends their immediate worth as a singular submission to your client. 
I, for one, am a huge believer in building referral networks because to me, there's nothing more powerful than a quality introduction or referral because it exponentially reduces the amount of work to find those candidates organically. If you're just in the business of transacting candidates, that same quality of candidate from a cold outreach perspective may cost you hundreds of in-mails and emails and follow-up phone calls. When one good referral, because you made one really good intro candidate phone call, could actually be the answer to your prayers. And let me just share a quick story about something that's just happened, which really underlines the importance of this point. So a few weeks ago, I pinged a candidate that I know, and her name is Rachel. And she pinged me back and she said, hey, good to hear from you. I'm very happy where I'm at right now. By the way, I'd like to introduce you to Sarah because I think she's looking at the moment. So I said, thank you, Rachel. And I pinged Sarah and I arranged to have a conversation with Sarah. The next day we had a chat. We had a fantastic conversation. We got on like a house on fire and I immediately knew that I was in the right place at the right time because she had just begun her search for a new job as a recruiter, a senior recruiter role. She wasn't talking to anybody else. And I had a number of roles that I immediately thought would be suited to her, to Sarah. And so we went through the roles, we decided on on our strategy and we submitted her and then she had some interviews. And in less than two weeks, she accepted a role at one of the great companies that we submitted her to. And she's extremely happy and the story doesn't end there because a couple of days later, after she started, she called me up and she said, hey, guess what, Marcus? My company has decided to cull its list of agencies because currently we use 14 and we now only want to use three. And I shared my experience with you and your company with my new boss and she agreed that you would be one of those companies. So I'm I'm delighted to tell you that you are going to be on this new shortlist of agencies, of three agencies, as opposed to 14 agencies. And by the way, we've immediately got a couple of roles that we'd love you to work on. So in fact, it was more than a couple of roles, but we're still talking about that. So there's the power of a great referral. You know, one referral, three submissions, four submissions, you know, a bunch of interviews and a placement all within two weeks. I mean, the power of building a referral network that yields that kind of information and those kind of introductions is infinitely more powerful than relying upon a transactional recruiting strategy. So there you have it. My primary objective when I first speak to a candidate is to give an amazing candidate experience, connect with the candidate's network and establish my relationship as a premier recruiter in their space. Okay. So if I don't pick it up, this is going to be an hour long podcast of just me talking. So Let me pick up the pace a little bit here. My secondary objective is to reveal the candidate's motivators. Okay, this is something that I call the buyer's gap. And what it is, is the difference between what the candidate is doing today and what the candidate would be doing tomorrow in a perfect world. And I think the most important piece of information that you get out of any of these first phone calls with candidates is the buyer's gap. What are the motivating factors that would incentivize you to look at another role? And what does that role look like? How does it differ from the role you're currently in? What kind of company culture are you looking for? And what kind of values are most important to you in a new employer? Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There, of course, can be many other influencing or motivating factors in someone wanting to leave or to find a new role. And money is obviously a big one. 
location, growth opportunity, um, size of team, size of company, the product, the service, the list goes on. But you get the idea, okay? The most important thing for you to understand by the end of the call is what are those motivators? What are those factors? And the reason why this is so important and so important to ask these questions before you start sharing any roles that you had initially reached out to this candidate about is because without that information in your hand, you are basically shooting in the dark. That would be like a doctor writing prescriptions for patients they haven't seen yet. It's only after you've diagnosed your patient properly, or in this case, understood your candidate's needs, goals, and desires fully, that you're able to accurately and impactfully reconcile any suitable opportunity against those needs, goals, and desires. The third objective of the call, in order of importance, is the candidate evaluation. You obviously need to figure out whether the candidate has the right blend of skills, experience, and accomplishments to match one or any of the roles that you're looking to present. And so in order of importance, I put that third. I don't think that is as important as figuring out the needs, goals, and desires, the buyer's gap of your candidate, because that sets you up for success with that candidate in the future regardless. And the final objective of the call in order of importance is to present the role or the roles that you had in mind when you reached out to this candidate or when you were referred to this candidate and you set up the call. Now, since you've already established the buyer's gap, you understand their motivations, you've assessed them for a, a level of skill and a match for the role, you'll be in an ideal position now to put that all together and present the role in a really cohesive and impactful way. So as the candidate gets very excited about the role and you're moving on to the next stage to present the candidate to the client. So that would be my final objective of the call. But in order of importance, if you do everything else and the candidate bails and says, I haven't got time to hear about the roles, you've already put yourself in a winning position with this candidate. What you don't want to do is to present the role at the beginning of the call because you're excited to speak with the candidate. Even if you think it's the most amazing role in the world, you don't know what that candidate is looking for. So don't risk alienating or ending the call early by presenting the role before you understand what their buyer's gap is. Because you've then missed out on the number one opportunity, going back to what I was saying my primary objective is of the call, of adding a great potential candidate to your network and yielding all the information, referrals and introductions that may follow after you've built that relationship from the ground up. So my advice on this is don't present the role until you've achieved at least your first two objectives of establishing yourself as a premier recruiter and secondly, understanding their buyer's gap. So how are we going to accomplish these objectives from a tactical standpoint? Well, you're a recruiter, so your methodologies might differ from mine. But the first objective to establish yourself as a premier recruiter, connect with the candidate and their network, is to build an incredible amount of rapport. Now, everybody builds rapport in different ways. You know, you've got to look for commonalities. You've got to find areas that you can agree upon. You've got to think about ways in which you could potentially complement your candidate on their accomplishments or their interests. You have to find some area that you can both sort of gel or vibe on. And that sort of humanizes the conversation. Um, one of the ways that I know that I'm really beginning to build a relationship is when I can get the other party to have a bit of a chuckle with me, have a laugh. 
And that kind of humanizes the conversation and makes me less of a recruiter and more of just a normal human being. And, you know, my goal is to always to come across as a consultative recruiter and someone who's really there to help my candidate primarily. And so you'll build rapport in whatever way you choose, but don't shortchange yourself in this department, okay? If it takes five minutes, great. If it takes 10 minutes, fantastic. I've been on the phone with candidates for 15 or 20 minutes before I've even got to the next stage of the conversation sometimes, just because we're building so much rapport and I know it's going to pay off later. So you build rapport, you get to know your candidate, get to know something about them personally, maybe in order to really make that connection. You know, maybe if you can hear kids in the background or something or a dog barking, you know, just make a connection and build that rapport. The next objective obviously is to establish the buyer's gap. So in order to do that, I basically ask like, don't like questions. For example, tell me a bit about your current role. What do you like about your current role? Tell me some of the things that you're proud of in your current role, some of your accomplishments, et cetera. And then once they finish doing that and you're, you're getting an understanding of what they're capable of as well, you're, you're maybe weaving in some of the assessment questions and evaluation questions as well. You can ask them the opposite and say, what don't you like so much about your role? And what potentially would you change about your role as well? And then you can move on to the company and say, you know, tell me about the company. What do you like about the company? What do you like about the culture and the leadership team, et cetera? And then you can move into don't like. What don't you like so much about your current company? And what would you change? And what kind of an organization would you be aiming to join in the future? And how would it differ from your current company? Okay, like, don't like. Now, if you think the situation requires a little more subtlety, you can ask the like questions. And then you can just ask the what would you change questions? So like, what would you change? What would you change about your current role? What would you change about your current company? What would you change about your current opportunity or leadership team. I mean, look for areas that they are seeking change and that will help you understand their buyer's gap and ultimately, you know, match the role to their needs, goals and desires. Other potential components of the buyer's gap or motivators, as I think I mentioned earlier, are things like money, obviously very important, um, growth opportunity, size of the company, maybe geography, a simple but powerful question you should always ask to fill in the buyer's gap is what's most important to you in your next career move? And just let them talk and then prompt them for more information. Tell me more. How important is that? Is that more important than money? Is that more important than your path to promotion? The key to this part of the conversation is to be a good listener. Prompt more information, but listen with curiosity and question accordingly and really figure out what it is, what those motivators are and what those influencing factors are going to be when it comes to making that move so that you're able to do your job when it comes to presenting the role with much skill and aplomb. Now, the third thing you're going to do, which you're basically starting to do in conjunction with establishing the buyer's gap, is evaluate the candidate for skills, experience and accomplishments. And so you begin that process when you ask the first question, you know, tell me about your current role, tell me what you like, etc., because you'll begin to get an idea about what they do. And you can pepper in questions there about the different skills that they have and the experience that they've got and the accomplishments they've achieved and really build a picture of whether or not this is a candidate that's suitable for the roles that you had in mind when you reached out to them. Now, you might be tempted after you've established the buyer's gap, but not really built a complete picture of their suitability to present the role. And that's okay. But the danger of doing it that way is that once you present the role and they are interested and excited, 
it's always a bit of a shame when you figure out that actually they're not a match for the role at all and they don't have the skills and they don't have the experience that you needed in the first place or they just, they're just a misfit for the role. I would try and build up a picture of their suitability and their match to the role or roles that I want to present before I actually go down that route and present the roles. Now, my one big caveat here is that even if the candidate doesn't seem like a proper match for the role, you still might want to run the opportunity by them because if you've done a really good job in the earlier parts of the call, establishing rapport and figuring out the buyer's gap, they might be so impressed with you by this point that they're very happy to refer someone that they know, even at this early stage of the relationship. So be open to that idea as well. So in closing, just returning to our sequence for a minute, we've built rapport, we've established the buyer's gap, we figured out whether they're a suitable candidate. And the last thing to do is obviously to present the role. Now, the way that I do this is to address the way in which the role and the company and the culture, et cetera, impact directly against the buyer's gap that I established earlier in the conversation. So each area, each motivator, I will address, and then I will reconcile it against how I feel the opportunity we're discussing matches that need. And so I'll say something like, One of the most important factors you cited in considering a new role would be your ability to get promoted quickly. Well, at this company, people in your position are getting promoted within 18 months or two years of joining, which is, you know, considerably faster than you're currently experiencing at your current company. You know, does that sound interesting to you? And so because you already know it does, you're going to yield a yes and you can move on to the next one. So work hard on addressing each individual candidate's buyer's gap and motivators. And finally, Remember one thing that I've always said on this podcast, culture is the biggest mover of people. So whether they've revealed that or not in the conversation so far, it's really important for you to bring the culture of your new company into the conversation and share some good news about why people enjoy working there and what a great culture it is, if indeed it is, um, what the leadership culture is like, and just a good general overview of what a positive experience current employees are having at your client company. So that's it for the internal interview or the first candidate call. Those are my priorities and that's my strategy. Your mileage might vary, but I hope it's given you some good ideas about how you might structure or restructure the way that you talk to a candidate and maybe reevaluate some of your priorities the first time you get on that most important call. So thanks a lot and goodbye from me, Marcus Edwards at Recruiting Trailblazers, and I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers. 